So the Lord has, uh, has done a wonderful work in us already this morning, for um, I am confident that it was the Holy Spirit of God that led our brother Ben to, uh, to select the songs that we have sang this morning. Uh, absolutely uh, songs and music, words, lyrics that are in concert uh, with with the Word of God and His uh, His message for our lives today, we're going to continue in the first chapter of Ephesians. And I'll be reading from verse eleven again today. And I know this was uh, uh, a passage that uh, Pastor Ben spoke from uh, last Sunday, and again he did a an excellent job as the Spirit of the Lord led him to expose an understanding to unpack uh, this, uh, this Word of God for our lives. And we want to just explore a, a couple of truths that, uh, that we would have revealed uh, to us here today. Three questions then uh, that we'll set before you for your reflection, uh, for your response as we explore God's truth this morning. So we'll ask, who is, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is, who is the Holy Spirit? Then we'll ask, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? How is the Holy Spirit received? And thirdly, what is the goal? What is the goal of God's provision for your salvation? <clears throat> you might want to shorten that to say, why did God save you? What is the goal of God's provision for your salvation, for the salvation of His people? We read then from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. Now, if you would, just let me explore a few words here uh, before we actually get into the, to the heart of things, if you will. Be sure that you understand the beginning of verse 11, in him, that the pronoun him is for Christ. And so we might read, in Christ. Christ. 
it's almost uh, a shame, unfortunate, that, that we take uh, and read uh, parts of this, uh, this chapter. For, for it's really one, one sentence. It's wholly intended that it all goes together, that it's one sentence. And we'll, we'll talk more about that. Um, but understand that as you look back through chapter 1, you will certainly come to the conclusion, the realization that when we get to verse 11, the in him is in Christ. We have obtained, we have obtained, we have got something that we didn't previously have. We have obtained it, right? We didn't have it before, but in Christ we have obtained it. An important point. Not just bumping my gums here. In Christ, we have obtained, we have received, we have gotten something that we did not previously have. And what is that something? Why, it is an inheritance. An inheritance. That which is the possession of someone and which is theirs by right to pass on to those whom they choose. Right? It belongs to somebody else and they have the lawful, legal possession title to it and therefore it is their right to pass it on to whomever they choose upon their death. An inheritance is passed on in accordance with a will at the time of that person's death. In Him, in Christ, we have gotten, we have obtained that which was by legal right, possession, and ownership of God, God has willed it that we would obtain it, an inheritance. This is according to God's eternal purpose, His eternal plan, from, from time eternity unto time eternity. This was God's purpose. This was God's plan. There was never a time, never a place, never a point when God's purpose, when God's plan had to be corrected, where there needed an amendment, any place where there was an omission that had to be inserted. God doesn't cut and paste. He had it all settled when? Ephesians chapter 1, we've studied it. When? Before the foundation of the world. And that's older than WR. Goes back a few days. I bought something at Lowe's yesterday and 
the cost was 1876. I asked, I said, I wonder what happened in 1876. And the cashier says, I don't know. And she looked at me and she says, do you? That's what I thought. What she mean by that? But God's purpose, God's plan that in Him we should obtain an inheritance. This was predestined according to His purpose, His plan, His will. From time eternity, God has always been accomplishing His perfect will. When you read the Old Testament, when you read history, when you read the, the course of the, the, uh, the life and span of man on earth, don't ever think God did not know what was going on. For He had always been working out, been working through, accomplishing, doing that which was necessary in order to accomplish His will that those whom He would call into be adopted into His family would obtain an inheritance in Christ. Jesus affirms this. Recorded in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said, Do not think... I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. God did not decide that it just wasn't going to work out. His plan with the law and the Jews and, and uh, accomplishing uh, His salvation in them, that they would proclaim His glory to the world. God had, didn't just come up to the point and say, well, this ain't working like I thought it would. So I'm going to have to, I guess I'm going to have to send my son. No, not the case at all. The law and the prophets were every bit as much a part of the purpose and the plan of God to accomplish your and my salvation as was anything else that you will read in Scripture. Now, what's the idea here? In your heart, in your mind, in your very spirit, among God's people, there just ought to be a, a sense of awesomeness, a sense of, of the glory of His majesty, of His sovereign grace. Hebrews chapter 9 reveals to us that, that these things were accomplished in the perfection of God's wisdoms, of God's purpose. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15 and following. Listen to this. This is a remarkable passage when viewed in the context of this, this inheritance of which the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God, writes in Ephesians. For it reads, Therefore he, therefore he being Christ, Therefore, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promise 
eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant, for where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Jesus died that the will of God would be in force for those whom he would call. Jesus died in obedience to the will of his Father. Jesus died for the praise of his glory. having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. I know that we, we spend a lot of time on this, but Lord knows there's enough people in the world that are trying to tear it down. Do hear, do embrace, do listen that these things are accomplished when God predestined. Not by the will, not by the work of man, not by the strength of man, not by the wisdom of man, but predestined according to His purpose, according to His will. And I would only ask you one question, and I would ask this question of anyone who wanted to argue this point, I would only ask, have you ever predestined anything? No, you ain't. Who predestines? Who can predestine? Who has the power? Who has the strength? Who has the wisdom? Who is it that can predestine anything? Is it only the sovereign God over all creation? You and I haven't ever predestined anything. To the praise of His glory. Amen. The will of God fulfilled in Christ. So there's no boasting in we who have been made heirs that we may glorify the One who made us so. Having heard the word of truth, again, our role is passive, right? He does the speaking, we do the hearing. He proclaims the truth, we believe the truth, we put our faith in the truth, the word of truth that is the good news. And again, chapter 1 just all goes together. For we have heard, we have received the good news that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. 
that we have been chosen in Him, in love, predestined, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, and lavished with His grace. Lavished with His grace. I've told you before the only point in Scripture that I take exception is when the Apostle Paul claims himself to be the chief among sinners. I want to argue that with him because I think I can, I can give him some competition. And I understand that when God has shown His grace toward me, that in order for Him to do that, He must have lavished His grace. It must have been bountiful. It must have been rich. For my sins are many. My failures are numerous. And it is by the grace of God, by His unmerited favor, not that I have done anything worthwhile, not that I have done anything that deserves anything from God, but that He has lavished, lavished His grace. given the mystery of His will, which we believed the gospel, the good news of our salvation, and are now sealed, now sealed, S-E-A-L-E-D, we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. This is a promise that Jesus made himself on the night before he was to be crucified. Jesus spoke to his disciples and God has c communicated this down through the years to us. When Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, John 14, 15 and following, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus went to the cross. He died, was laid in a borrowed tomb, and was resurrected on the third day, walked among men where he was seen by thousands. And before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Jesus said to his followers, as recorded in John, or Acts chapter 1, if only I could find my place. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, it doesn't say it, but we would fill in, sure enough, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit the one whom Jesus had promised. And as Peter then began to preach to
to that great crowd that was assembled there in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. He told them this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel hundreds of years prior to this day when the prophet Joel had said, In the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Who is this Spirit? This is the promised Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit of God that God had promised He would give to His people. When the Apostle Peter's sermon was concluded, in Acts chapter 2 again at verse 37 we read, When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to the people and the people and Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Peter spoke of you and I in that day. For this is the promise to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit of God to everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. The promised Holy Spirit. God has fulfilled, God has accomplished, God has kept his promise. And God has given the gift of the presence of his Holy Spirit to everyone, everyone that he has called into his family. No exceptions. No one excluded. No one left out. No one for whom it is necessary that a further process or procedure be accomplished. But to everyone who comes proclaiming Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord in repentance of sin and is baptized for the forgiveness of sin receives the gift the gift, the grace of God in the presence of His Holy Spirit. The world, religions, are teaching a lie. And that lie is that there is, that there is some need, there's something that you have to do, there's something that, uh, that has to be uh, accomplished. There's some process, procedure, some religion, some church, some rite, some ritual that's necessary for a Christian to receive the whole... That's a lie! For it is God's, it is God's gift to His elect. The Holy Spirit. Third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. I would encourage you not to, not to get hung up, if you will, on, on the Trinity. 
there's only, there's only one triune God. And, and so when you start trying to compare him to something that is not him, it's, it's just not going to work. It's going to fall short. It's going to fall down. And so, um, you know, there's all kind of illustrations, all kind of comparisons. None of them work. The Trinity is a mystery. It is a glorious mystery. And it is only God who is three persons in one God. Amen. Not father, brother, and son. Not shell, white, and yolk. Uh, ice cream cone. Oh, I've never heard that one. That one. <laughs> What's it? See there, I told you it wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. Only God. You see, that's that's where where you can just just. Embrace it, right? Just love it. Just believe. God, the triune, the trinity of God. And God the Holy Spirit is God. And He has given you a gift of His presence. John chapter 16, again, Jesus is speaking to His followers. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you. This is verse 12. Keep going. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. This is the Spirit of God, a gift from God, that does not speak of his own authority, but rather he speaks the word of God. He communicates the word of God. Jesus said in verse 14, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit has been given to God's children as a gift that He, the Holy Spirit of God, will glorify Jesus Christ in us. That's why He's here. That's why He stays. That's His purpose. That's His work. That's who He is. He glorifies Christ in the children of God. Again, just let me say in passing that there are plenty of religions out there that are preaching or teaching a lie, all kinds of works of the Holy Spirit, all kind of worship, praise, and preaching the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not speak for Himself. He speaks the Word of God. 
for the glory of Jesus Christ. The promised Holy Spirit. The promised Holy Spirit whom Christ has sent from the Father to everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself, those who have repented and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, the, Holy, the promised Holy Spirit is the seal, the guarantee of that inheritance that we were talking about, that inheritance that we have obtained in Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit of God is the seal, the guarantee of that inheritance to the children of God. And so we learn, so we know, so we rejoice that in 1 John chapter 4 and other places throughout the New Testament, we're told that the Holy Spirit of God is always with us. Quite often the word we encounter is that He abides, always present. 1 John 4.13, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. His Spirit which will convict of sin, and call to repentance in Christ. Holding us up to the perfection of our Savior, that we would be called into to His perfection. Jesus said when He comes, that is the promised Holy Spirit, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. How does He do that? By glorifying Christ and the children of God. The Spirit that gives us every assurance of our adoption as children of God. Romans chapter 8. I really, I really want to just read all of Romans chapter 8 today and just, just preach right through it. That wouldn't have been fair to you or, or obedient to my uh, call today. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 16, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our salvation because he is the seal of our salvation. He is the imprimatur of God upon us. He is, he is God's signature upon those He has adopted into His family. He is the seal. He is, he is the ad adhesive, right? He's the adhesive that secures us in Christ. You ever buy anything from Amazon online? But I'm here to tell you, when it comes in the mail, it's sealed. 
They've got it, they got it tied up. Nothing's going to get out of those packages. Ben used to work at um, UPS <laughs> in, in uh, Louisville. He's seen some packages that perhaps weren't sealed so well. But I'm here to tell you that the seal of the Holy Spirit of God, that adhesive that glues us in Christ, is not a seal that will be broken. He is the guarantee of our salvation. He is the emblem of God stamped upon us. We are His. We are His possession. He is the coating. He's the seal of God. He is the coating that keeps out what needs to be kept out and keeps in what's supposed to be kept in. He's not a barking aquatic mammal. He's not a Navy seal. He is God. He is God Himself securely possessing what He has purchased at a great price for the praise of His glory. None of that makes sense. None of that is, is truly acceptable. None of that is logical and reasonable. Except, that we hear that it is to the praise of His glory. Again, in Romans chapter 8, we read from verse 29, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His, <clears throat> image of his Son, in order that He might be the first, firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. In Him, in Christ, we have obtained, we have got something that we didn't have before. An inheritance. Something that was the legal possession of God and by his by right his to pass on to those whom he chose an inheritance that we would be to the praise of his glory this is the bottom line this is what it's all about this is the fulfillment of God's purpose this is why God saved you and I, to the praise of His glory. You, in Christ, you are the glory of Christ. You are the glory of God revealed in the world today. You hear that? You believe that? This is why God saved you that you would be to His glory. It's not stained glass windows. It's not great cathedrals. It's not beautiful paintings. 
and it certainly ain't prancing preachers. Amen. It ain't 500 foot crosses on the tops of mountains. You, you in Christ are the glory of God in the world today. That is the fulfillment of His purpose. That's what He intended. That's what He predestined before the foundation of the world. that in Him you could reveal His love. I, I, I want to condemn you so bad because you worship everything under the sun and so, so very reluctant to glorify Jesus Christ. Because the world has taught you so, and you have been well taught. I want you to think about the things and the people that you brag about. Think about the things that impress you, that you tell others how, how wonderful they are. I'm not going to get specific because I really don't want to offend you individually, but I believe the Holy Spirit of God can convict you. You are to His glory. Praise Him. Put the name of Jesus Christ on your lips. Give Him the credit. Give Him the glory. Give Him the praise. Instead of all these other things that you, you have to talk about. You are His glory. And that in Him is your joy. In Him is your satisfaction. In Him is your peace. You don't have peace? It's because you're not living to the praise of His glory. There's something missing. There's something wrong. Something has gone awry, gone askew. You're not living to the praise of the glory of your Savior, Jesus Christ, who has come to you by the grace of God and obtained for you an inheritance, the riches of God's grace. He is your security. He is what protects you. It is in Christ that you do not fear the world. You do not fear what the world can do to you. You cannot fear what anybody else says or thinks about you. That's really one of our greatest sins, isn't it? I have to speak up on that one have to constantly be aware of how much concern I give to what people think of me. When I ought to be concerned about what people think of Christ in me. He is the one who is our security and our protection, our, our satisfaction or fulfillment in the world. For it is by His sacrifice. It is by the fulfillment of God's purpose it is the fulfillment of God's will that we have received our salvation guaranteed by the abiding, ever-present, Holy Spirit of God. Words from eternity to eternity.
words that have impact in our lives today because they were predestined before the foundation of the world by the sovereignty of God and will be forever fulfilled by the grace and the power of the sovereignty of God. In Him, to the praise of His glory. Father, I praise You and give You thanks. Oh, how I worship You, O oh God, for the truth, the certainty, the assurance of Your Word as communicated into our hearts, our spirits, by the presence of Your Holy Spirit. O oh God, glorify Thyself in these Your people. In Jesus' name, Amen.